Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Don't get involved in sin because it's going to just bring on you pain. He told Jeremiah the prophet to tell the people in chapter 2, verse 17, Have you not brought this on yourself, God says? In that notice you have forsaken the Lord your God. Your own wickedness will correct you. You see, that's what's happening here in 16, chapter 16. Their own wickedness by taking the mark is the very thing that is going to correct them. And your backsliding will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. And the fear of me is not in you, says the Lord God of hosts. You see, God says the reason you have so many problems and pains and difficulties is because of your own sin and your own backsliding has done this to you. God says, it's not me punishing you and and busting your chops. It's your own ramifications. It's the ramifications of your own sin. Sin always brings about pain. We've got tons of Old Testament illustrations and examples of what happens when we ignore God's word and do what we think is right. Samson and Delilah, you know the story. Lot with Sodom. Eve and the forbidden fruit, Abraham, as he went down into Egypt. There are consequences to our sin. The Bible says, you reap what you sow. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, the Bible says when we sin, we come to the Lord and we confess our sin. And the Bible says if you will just simply confess your sins. See, the problem with people is that they don't want to confess their sin. The word confess means to say the same thing. Say the same thing about what? Say the same thing about your sin that God says. What does God say? God says your sin is filthy, it's dirty, it's ugly, it's wrong, and you should stop. Yeah, just, just stop. And, and confess your sin. And the Bible says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just, not only faithful, but he is just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So if you're a Christian, you can be forgiven. And you are forgiven. And what a joy it is to be forgiven. What a joy. Just to walk in the freedom And not the burden of guilt, but just the freedom of, I'm forgiven. Praise the Lord. Now, those here in Revelation chapter 16, those who take the mark, conversely, they cannot be forgiven. Forgiveness is no longer possible. And the very mark that they took is causing them painful sores. 
Notice that. Man, the system brings about its own pain, great pain. Well, notice the next two angels pour out their bowls and we see the earth's water supplies are infected. The water is turned to blood. Notice with me in the second and third bowl in verse three. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as. Very important small word. It became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Well, then in verse four, the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water and they became blood. Notice that. Now, I know that you're all good Bible students. And by now, most certainly you can clearly see that the second and the third vial judgment directly correlate with the judgments that came upon Egypt. And the Pharaoh, you know, the first plague on Egypt, the water was turned to blood. The fish died and the river stank and the Egyptians couldn't drink the water. Then you remember the Red Sea parted and Pharaoh and his army died in the Red Sea. And when the second vial is poured out, every living thing in the sea died. And the third vial turns the inland waters, that would be the rivers and the fountains, to blood. Now this is interesting. Last night, Billy, grab me a tissue, would you please? This cold's kind of, my antibiotics are working. Let's say that. Praise the Lord. Last night, I was doing some research here. I, I found this to be pretty fascinating. There is a phenomenon known as, and some of you probably know this, a phenomenon known as red tide. Had you heard of it? Red tide. And, pardon me. And scientists, they have observed this red tide in the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico. Red tides are caused by the explosive growth and accumulation of certain microscopic algae, predominantly dinoflagets or dinogelates or something like that. Some species of dinoflagics produce toxins that are poisonous to men. Given the right conditions and left unchecked, they destroy all life in water and cause the water to turn red in color, like blood. These microorganisms also eat up the oxygen supply in the water and brings death to every living creature in the sea. Very interesting, red tide. Now, it is possible, very possible, that this is what is happening when the second vial is poured out. Notice the sea doesn't become blood, but it becomes blood as or like a dead man. Notice the third vial, the springs and the waters become blood. They actually become blood. They turn red and it stinks and it is horrible. Now we know that three-fourths of the earth's surface is covered in water. So this is devastating. And later on we're going to see the sun scorches men. And you know how it is when the sun is hot like today. You stand out there long enough. It's supposed to be a hundred degrees today. You stand out there long enough. What are you going to want to drink? Water, but there will be no water. 
So this is an awful, awful time. Now, go home today, pick up your globe, and everything that you see blue will be red during the tribulation. All the fish life is going to die, which will affect the food supply. After the first three bowls are poured out, note this. The angels over the waters, they break forth in praise. Notice in verse 5 through 7, and I heard the angel of the waters, underline that, the angels that are assigned of the waters, over the waters, and they're saying, you are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, because they have shed, this is why God is righteous, because they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due or reward. And I heard another from the altar. Even the altar says, amen, amen. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Notice that. Now, I think this is pretty interesting. The angels, I think somebody wrote a song, angels watching over me. That was a song, angels watching over me, my friend. Angels watching over you, my friend or something about angels and friends. And, and, but note this. <laughs> Not only are angels watching over us, but angels are watching over the sea. It's interesting to see here in our text. Notice the angel, there is an angel assigned over ecology. Interesting. And this angel, this particular angel in our text, his area of ecological responsibility is the waters. You see that in verse 5? I heard the angel of the waters. So his area of responsibility over ecology is the waters. Now, I do find it interesting. I think you will too. This angel is not arguing with God. This angel isn't saying, now wait a minute, God. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Wait a minute, God. The, the waters, that's my area of responsibility now. You have no right to be turning that area in the blood. That's my responsibility. Notice the angel isn't arguing with God. Instead, notice he is declaring God's rightness. What God is doing is right. Why? Because, write this down, in God's government, the punishment fits the crime. In God's economy, in God's government, the punishment always fits the crime. We will see that woven throughout this entire chapter. The punishment fits the crime. Remember the people of the earth have shed the blood of the martyrs and the prophets and they have shed the blood of Jesus. You know that. And the angel says, it's right, it's good, it's right that those who shed the blood, who have shed blood like water, are now having their water turned to blood. And then notice from the altar, the altar says, amen, that's right. That's good. God, you're right. God is always right. Now, this is interesting. 
as you track through the book of Revelation, you can see, I can see, that all of those in heaven, everyone in heaven, we talked about the program of heaven is worship. Here's another program of heaven. Everyone in heaven declares that God is right. Everyone. All of those in heaven before the Lord, the angels, the four living creatures, 24 elders, the saints of God, all have the same perspective of God. Their perspective is that God is true. God is just in his ways. True and righteous are your ways, O Lord. God is right. Now, this blessed me, you guys. Yesterday, this blessed me because... I don't understand everything. No one on earth understands everything. There are things that happen in my life that I don't understand. There's things that happen in your life that you don't understand. Doors shut that you thought were open and doors open that you thought were shut. And you turn this way and God shuts the door and you turn that way and God shuts that door and God stops this and he stops that and he, he moves you this way and he moves you that way and he changes this situation and changes that situation. And we don't understand everything. I don't understand everything. Here's Christianity or Theology 101. God is God and I'm not him. Amen. Y'all like, good thing, Rodney. Good thing for us. And you're not him. God is God. And although I don't understand everything, and as, we, as believers, we may not understand everything, but what we can know and what we do know is that God is true and just and righteous, and God never, ever, no, not ever, is wrong. He is never wrong. God is never wrong. Never wrong? Never. So what I do know is that God is true. Great and marvelous are your works, O God, in, Gen in, in chapter 15. Great and marvelous are your works, O God. True and righteous are your ways. That's what I do know. Which means the more time, understand, the more time that I spend with the Lord, the more heavenly minded I become, the less prone I am to question God. I'll say that in case you were asleep. I'll say it again. The more heavenly minded I become, the less prone I am to question God. Here's a mark of spiritual maturity. We got it all messed up. We think being spiritually mature means, you know, you carry a really big leather Bible. <laughs> or you come to church every time the church has something. I'm really mature, or I tithe. I'm a really mature Christian. No, no, no. You know what I have found? Mature Christians, they don't question God. When you start to mature as a Christian, you don't question God. You just trust him. And even if you don't understand, you just simply trust the Lord. That's when you're reaching that place of maturity. It doesn't mean you understand everything. It just means you trust him more and more because God is right, because God is true, because God is good. And that's the program of heaven. That's the perspective in heaven. 
God, you are right, you are true, you are good, you know what you're doing, and Lord, we trust you. Notice the fourth vial is poured out in verse 8. And then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat. Notice they weren't consumed by the fire, it was the heat from the sun. And they, notice this in verse 9, amazing. This is amazing. They blaspheme the name of God who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Notice that. Now, don't get caught up in all the plagues and all that's going on here and think that God is out of control. Listen, God is not out of control. God is very much in control. He's the one calling the commands here. He is the one giving the orders here. Remember in Revelation chapter 5, it was Jesus who stood. He was the only one worthy to take the scroll and to loose the seals. So as he loosed the seals, the judgments came upon the earth. So it is Jesus who is in complete control, in complete command, and he is sending out the angels. He is the one giving the orders, and this is his judgment. On a Christ-rejecting world, notice the fourth angel has power to turn up the thermostat, and he has power to scorch men. The sun, S-U-N is 93 million miles from the earth. Scientists tell us that it takes eight, eight and a half minutes for the rays of the sun to reach the earth. So when you get up in the morning and you see the sun come up, actually the sun came up eight minutes before you saw it. The sun travels, the light travels at 186,000 miles per second. Now astronomers tell us that before a star or the sun dies, it, it implodes or a supernova takes place and then it flares up and it becomes intensely hot. You talk about global warming, this angel has power to scorch men and the people on the earth will need a sunblock of SPF 500. And even that won't protect them from this judgment. And it's interesting, again, the punishment fits the crime. Interesting, those who turn their back on the S-O-N is now experiencing the judgment from the S-U-N. The punishment fits the crime. Well, notice the fifth bowl in verse 10. Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast. This is a localized darkness. And his kingdom became full of darkness. And they gnawed their tongues be, because of the pain. And in verse 11, they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores and did not repent of their deeds. Notice the fifth angel pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast and his kingdom became full of darkness. Now you might remember again when God sent the ninth plague on Egypt, the entire land became dark except for Goshen, G-O-S-H-E-N. That's where the people of God lived. 
Now, in our text here, when the darkness comes over the throne of the beast, the people were in pain and they gnawed or, or ground their teeth and chewed their tongues. This is preview of coming attractions. What coming attractions? Hell. This is a preview of hell. Now, how much pain do you have to be in before you get to the place of starting to chew on your tongue? It's, it's, it's unconscionable. I mean, that kind of pain. I mean, you know, I remember, and some of you remember when uh, about a year and a half ago, actually, I was out in um, Southern California and uh, at a pastor's conference and and uh, and uh, speaking at the at the Calvary Chapel, Billy, you remember, and because uh, Billy, we were at a radio conference actually, and uh, and uh, and I went on a speaking engagement and and into another part of the city, but before I left, my my gallbladder began to 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 act up, and so even last night, as a matter of fact, I was talking to this couple over dinner, and we were talking about my gallbladder that almost erupted, which is. Wonderful dinner conversation, but uh, <laughs> I'm talking about my nasty, filthy, infected gallbladder. You know, and so I go, I go to this church. I speak after I speak. The pastor says, uh, "Would you like some?" I said, "Yeah, give me some water." And just about that time, my my stomach started feeling really, really, really bad. And I had no idea. It was just kind of sudden and acute, and I didn't know that it was my gallbladder at the time. But I said to the pastor, I think I'll just go back to the hotel room and just try to relax. And the next day, I was to catch a flight and come on back to North Carolina. So I get to the hotel room. It's about 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, and my gallbladder just began to give me so much pain. It was awful. And so I'm crawling on the floor. I'm on my cell phone, okay? I'm, I, I'm like, I'm in so much pain, I can't believe it. I've never experienced anything like this. So I call my wife here. She's here in North Carolina. I call my wife. I'm on my cell phone crawling on the floor in the hotel. I'm like, honey, I'm in so much pain. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And she says, well, honey, just, you know, oh, no, I'm going to die. Really? Oh, God. Oh. So she said, just stay right there. I'll, I'll, I'll call somebody. So she's here and I'm there, you know. I'll call somebody. So, so, so she hangs up and I, and I dial I dial another friend. And I'm like, oh, I'm in so much pain. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So she calls her father in Ohio, who is an internal medicine doctor. He calls me on my cell phone. Ding. Hi. Hey, Doc, I'm going to die. Oh, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much pain. And it was awful. Well, they take me to the emergency room, and, and the doctor tells me that, that, you know, it's my gallbladder and it has to come out immediately. So I get back sometime later, and, and I'm talking to this one brother about this whole event. And, and he, said, uh, he said, Rodney, he says, you called all those people? I said, yeah. He says, why didn't you just call 911? I thought, Hmm, I never thought of it. <laughs> I was in so much pain, I never thought of it, you know. But these guys here, they are in so much pain, they start chewing on their tongue. No anesthetic, no painkiller, no coding, nothing stops the pain. The darkness has you so filled with insanity 
that you start gnawing your teeth and chewing on your tongue. Now, we're not sure whether the pain is emotional pain like depression from the darkness or physical pain that results, that, that's the result of the darkness or a combination of both, but these people can barely speak and they're biting and gnawing on their tongue and on their teeth, yet they are able to form the words to blaspheme God. You see how hard the heart is? You see that? Now this darkness that covered the land, it wouldn't be the first time. I found it interesting. You probably will too. May 19th, 1780, the entire region of North, uh, New England was covered by darkness that lasted several hours. March 19th, 1886, a zone of darkness moved across Oshkosh, Wisconsin, causing the people to panic in fear, and some even died from fear and panic, and many had heart attacks. They were so afraid. 1886, they thought it was the end of the world. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.